Hello and welcome to 40 Guard Live. I am Derek Mankey and joined with me once again is Amar Lakani. It's always great to see you, Amar. Um, so much always transpires. Uh, it's always great to be here and there's always uh, some, uh, some marathon a race going on in, cyber, in the cyber world. Yeah, I mean, especially when when we, uh, you know, it, it can be minutes, <laughs> minutes after we talk and a lot can change. And, you know, you talk about hours or days and, oh, boy, a lot has changed on, on the threat landscape. Um, so so let's just talk about, as usual, some, some of the developments. It's been a, a crazy year and, you know, shifting from all, all the trends we talked about in the past from COVID-19 lures and all of that. That seems, you know, good news is those are dying down. But unfortunately, now we're seeing new tricks but some of the same old tricks right we're seeing actual targeted campaigns now that are picking up with steam of course um we saw uh, dark side earlier in the year uh, in the in the spot in the spotlight now dark side's gone dark again <laughs> we haven't really seen them but we've seen you know gangs like like rebel take the place right yeah absolutely so um you know dark side has gone dark but this probably you know, it doesn't mean all their affiliates have gone dark. And in fact, what's happened is people that were part of their affiliate program have just gone to other ransomware as a service programs and they're stronger than ever. We've actually haven't seen any slowdown. And it's kind of unusual, right? And that's it's this trend has been happening for the last two years. Anytime a major provider's like offline, we, we haven't seen a slowdown in attacks. In fact, attacks just continue to increase. They just find new ways and new avenues to attack. Yeah. And, uh, you know, be, before talking about the ransom as a service model, um, there's other things that we have to deal with as well. Right. When I say we, I mean, the industry and, and obviously us as, as vendors working in this space. So we, we issued uh, just the other, uh, you know, recently a, a threat signal on uh, Print Nightmare. And this is another one of those big cases where we have, you know, a zero day vulnerability. So fresh vulnerability that is lying dormant, if you will, in a native operating system. And that means a big attack surface, right? Big deployment, obviously, because it's native in the operating system. Uh, maybe we can just walk through quickly what this one was. In terms of severity, at least part of, you know, for a successful exploit, it did require, um, you know, um, authenticated credentials with the domain controller, right? Right, so, like, you know, first of all, what, what I thought was interesting about this attack was that the proof of concept was released on GitHub. So researchers actually found this, released the proof of concept on GitHub, and uh-oh, it's not a patch that, you know, you know, you know uh, basically attack. The vulnerability was essentially a zero day. Uh, there was a patch that Microsoft came out with. People, yeah. and people were a little confused about it, whether it like protected against this attack or not. What we found out later was that patch was incomplete, so it protected parts of this attack, but not the attack that the proof of concept came out of. And then you know what happened was everyone downloaded that proof of concept and are and is attacking like millions of potentially vulnerable systems all over the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know the good news is that you know uh, there there is virtual patch even before the patch was officially released from Microsoft for the update. Um, you know we did create virtual patches. This is an advantage we have when we you know work with the MAPP, the Microsoft Active Protections Program, and we get the proof of concept and we can create IPS coverage before a patch is available. So that was included in, in the threat signal that we released. Um, the other partial good news of this is that, like I said, it did require uh, you know, um, uh, an active uh, login, if you will, user credentials to the domain controller. So meaning that unlike the WannaCry and uh, Eternal Blue uh, of the past, uh, it wasn't fully wormable, which is a good thing. But with that said, still a big issue and something that we're monitoring, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the good thing is that it required at least initially, you know, uh, some, uh, you know, some credentials. The bad thing is that we know credentials get leaked all the time. Yeah. And, uh, and we've seen that over and over again. And then we also don't know how, how people are going to weaponize this and how they're going to take this to the next level. So we've already started seeing remote, uh, remote code executable attacks come out that are paired with this attack. And, and just to be clear, this is basically attacking the print spooler driver in Windows. It's basically the, the printer software in Windows that lets Windows communicate with all printers generically, something that everyone needs. And even yeah. if you're like me and say, well, I don't need a printer anymore, even if you're printing to like a PDF file or something else, it still uses the same software, parts of the same software. So there's not no way to really disable this. And you're, once you have that software, which means you have Windows, you're affected by this. And, uh, and as you said, credentials, that's a good thing. But like we've seen so many credential leaks these days, um, it doesn't really slow down the attackers too much. Yeah, yeah, good point. And um, we're going to continue to keep an eye on it. There's as as any of these uh, fresh vulnerabilities. There's always copycat attacks, other campaigns that follow. You know, we saw that. Um, we've seen that all the time in the past. So I suspect that to happen again. Um, so so uh, switching back to the RAS model, uh, Revel has been in now in the spotlight, uh, full blown, following uh, you know the JBS uh, attack, and now. Uh, recently with Kaseya. And, um, you know, one of the trends, uh, concerning trends we're starting to see is this focus on, I would say, business efficiency uh, for, for this, the criminal enterprise, right? Instead of just going after one big fish or target, they're now hitting ones that actually have managed services or, you know, a, a whole bunch of um, uh, clients that they can, um, you know, um, directly connect to and compromise through an initial breach you know th this method is old school in a sense right we saw this 15 years ago with attackers you know going after server farms as an example but now it's just on a whole new level yeah absolutely so just to back up a little bit kaseya is a software uh, manufacturer software vendor they make software that they sell to msps managed service providers a managed service provider handles, you know, sometimes dozens to hundreds. Some of the big ones handle thousands of different customers. So we got basically almost like a three-tiered attack. The software vendor, their customers, and their customers' customers, right? So uh, we have to kind of look after that. And, you know, some of the some of the end users, some of the end customers, it could be something as small as a one- to two-person dentist. Uh, office, or it could be, you know, something as large as multiple grocery stores all over Sweden or something like that, right? And so there's multiple types of attacks that are going on. Ransomware attack, um, you know, came out on July 4th, uh, really the July 4th weekend. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and by the way, we we know these attacks are going to happen, like uh, yeah. because IR is not really responsive in all countries because on big holidays. Um, I guarantee, like, well, at least my personal opinion is on December 25th, we're going to see another giant attack uh, of this nature, just as big, uh, just because they're waiting. And they're usually they're usually prepping months. In a, in yeah, a, look, look, look at when uh, when, when SolarWinds broke, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, clear, clearly. So they, they, they do a lot of timing in, in their um, attacks. This is all part of that reconnaissance phase, too. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's it's really interesting that we're seeing like, uh, you, you know, attacks go down from like, you, you know, from the big fish to the little fish and trying to combine it. And, and I think there's some, uh, you know, some thought behind this because we know 
uh, or evil rebel, like however you want to say it. You know, they initially asked for 70 million for a master decryption key. There's been like some hint that they'll negotiate down to 15 million or less. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you think about all these individual companies, they probably have cyber insurance. I'm sure like at 50 million, like some cyber insurance companies are probably think crunching numbers and thinking how many hundreds of claims do I need to pay out or can I just like buy, buy the master key or maybe multiple companies are thinking that. So I think if they if they really thought about that connection, if it wasn't just like lucky that they fell into that, that's kind of genius, uh, you know, evil genius for sure on the way they were thinking on, uh, on attacking yeah. the master. It really goes to show the sophistication level. I've said it before, I'll say it again. We're seeing things that are normally belonging in the nation state APT side of the house now sitting in the world of cyber crime just because they're getting deep pockets or becoming much more sophisticated and in an evil sense, business oriented in, in, in that matter, right? Because they're trying, instead of doing, like in this case, right, I'm going to hunt, let's say, hundreds of organizations in a sort of door-to-door -door salesman fashion, right? <laughs> going going uh, from, from door to door and getting, uh, you know, um, uh, asking for 40, 50K, whatever it was, that's a lot of work, right? That's a lot of big scale and scope. So why not, instead of doing that, take this centralized approach and like they have done and, you know, uh, negotiate for uh, uh, just the, the master key decryption. They realize that. And I think, it, it, like you said, part of that can also relate to what what is a uh, an impacted organization thinking right they're they're getting in that mind frame and then counteracting it on their end and that's definitely a new trend we're seeing in cybercrime yeah you know i do want to talk about one one thing we're starting to see as a trend is they initially asked for the payments in xmr or monero monero is a cryptocurrency it's yep. a privacy you know focused blockchain so unlike bitcoins you, you can't really look at the transactions you can't trace the transactions more uh you know more ideal if you want to stay anonymous so they were asking for that now if anyone's done anything in monero 40 million dollars like unheard of you can't really cannot acquire that much monero it's it's going to be very very difficult um you know even from the some of the initial numbers we heard from individual companies they were asking for uh, around forty five thousand dollars us for decryption probably per machine or like yeah. $4 million. Like if you were hooked up to an active directory and they detected that, you were asking for a, a higher amount. But even if you're looking at some of the lower amounts, it's very difficult to get that amount of Monero. So, uh, you, you know, I thought at first that might've been a scheme to like actually pump up the price of Monero. Uh, Monero actually has only gone up in value about 4% in the last 24 hours. So that probably wasn't it. And it looks like they have allowed now Bitcoin payments, um, but they're adding a premium on that, like a 10% surcharge on that. So I yeah. thought that was interesting, but I think we're going to start seeing more and more of this, and we are seeing more, more and more cryptocurrency. You know that uh, that is, uh, you know, more privacy focused. You know, things like Monero, Zcash, uh, uh, XUSD. There's a whole bunch of new coins, or all coins coming out that are privacy focused, and I wonder if that's going to just, like start not only driving up the ransomware market, but also like the altcoin blockchain markets as well. I yeah, especially when we talk about and that's what I wanted to um, ask you about and talk as well is. Um, you know, tracing of this as well, too. I mean, just the nature of blockchain and crypto we have, and this is the unicorn, right? Where we see some effort, some funds that do get recovered after a ransom attack, very, very rare that would happen, uh, you know, with Bitcoin. But when you look at sort of diversifying and spreading this out over all these different altcoin bases, that's a whole new strategy for cyber criminals too, or could be, right? It's like, you know, m money laundering 101 for them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So remember, if I, if I send you a Bitcoin or, 
I mean, I, w- I would never send you a Bitcoin, but if I send you like a small portion of a Bitcoin, uh, you, you know, you can you can trace that. If you have my address, my Bitcoin address, you can see that I send it at least to your address, right? I may not know who you are, you may not know who I am, but we can at least trace through addresses. So if I so if I send something from one address to another address, that's completely traceable. I can go to blockchain, uh, you know, dot com uh, and just like put in the address as well as a number of other blockchain nodes. And then if you send that money out of your wallet address to somewhere else, or you split it up like ten times, I can still trace that as long as I have those addresses. Now, granted, there's a lot of like detective work and paperwork involved, but we're living in a world of automation. There's like a lot of automation you can do that just kind of builds those trees and spider webs to show you exactly where the money went. And a lot of times when you're actually trading out bitcoins for real money, uh, a lot of financial institutions globally have uh, what they what they have a protocol called Know Your Customer or uh, you know uh, uh, basically these uh, KYF uh, uh, type protocols where that you have to like give some sort of ID so you can eventually maybe tie an ID to a, to a Bitcoin address and that's what law enforcement is using to catch criminals. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really really interesting. That's on the, the right hand side, but I think it's as as these attacks unfold more than more than ever important on the what we call the left of boom, right on on the left side on the preventative part before execution or ransomware. We did respond, of course, that we were working on 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 the Kaseya. Um, attack as it unfolded uh, right right from uh, the first day. We uh, have released our threat signal on that, uh, responding to it as we did with Print Nightmare, but for Kaseya as well as our uh, blog and also a knowledge base article with in-depth information on uh, 40 EDR coverage as well as threat hunting, right? Everything you need to know if you are potentially impacted and um, obviously on mitigation strategy too. That's all uh, very important. Um, you know, one other thing, just you know, in the in the sophistication, is uh, going back to Revel uh, or Evil. On top of everything we just talked about in the business strategy, there's also the ransomware itself. The malware's become more sophisticated. There's research done, um, you know, in in May about uh, the new, or actually in Q1 this year about a new safe mode, uh, you know, functionality they put in it. Uh, so the whole idea of that is to boot into the safe mode, change the default password, so that all security applications would be killed as, as an example. And um, and they're also being aggressive with scrambled voice over IP calls, right? To contact their victims saying, um, and, you know, we're gonna go public with this right away to media, to, you know, your impacted customers. It's really aggressive is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. They know like where the money's at. They want to get their money quick and fast. Uh, you, you know, we've heard even with Kaseya, we've heard all of these um, you know rumors on possibly how many people they've infected. You know, at the end of the day, they don't care like how many people they've infected. Uh, they care about getting the most amount of money in the quickest amount of time, and then just moving on. And uh, because they know if they do that right, if they get their money, they move on. They're going to be out of the news again. It's going to be less pressure on them. The more they stay in the spotlight, probably. You know, more uh, people are going to be involved in that. More people are going to be looking at them more closely. So it's really always a like like a grab cash and run to kind of yeah. and that's that's true. That and they're going to do that over and over again because it's proving to be very successful every time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, thanks again, man. Uh, it's always great having uh, 
great com conversations with you. Um, as I said, this, uh, it's really important to stay up to date on this. So we're always releasing coverage in terms of our threat signal, our blog. You can find that on uh, blog.fortinet.com. We have a threat research category for FortiGuard Labs and uh, really recommend to follow that. We'll pr be providing updates to that and all the other coverage with uh, Print Nightmare as an example too, as it unfolds. Thanks again for watching. I am Derek Menke and this has been another episode of FortiGuard Live.